Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on Communion Sunday and First Advent, December 1st, 2013. Today's message is Joy to the World the Lord Has Come by Pastor Bob Cron, based on Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Today, special music will be the choir. Thank you, Trudy, for reminding me to turn on my mic. She waits every time I'm speaking someplace and just watches. And I got it this time. I think it's the first time in 15 years that I did turn my mic on before I started speaking. It's always good to be with you, a special time, especially on this, the first Sunday of Advent, to be here. I was wondering whether we'd make it on time. And I know uh, Darren already alluded that he didn't know if he was going to be preaching this morning. Uh, there was an accident on uh, just off the bridge. Uh, I like to be here about half an hour early, have a time of prayer, and just make sure everything is, is in order. And so we just sat there and slowly moving along. And at one point, uh, as uh, police cars were coming by, one came by and I'm thinking, I'm kind of in an emergency too. Maybe I should just follow him all the way down. But I thought that if, um, I don't think they like it if you do that. And they, he may not class it as the same kind of emergency that I felt it was. So I decided not to do that, but I did, with my nature, go from one lane to the next so I can go five cars ahead and then they pass and then I have to go back again. You know, do you ever do that? I, I do that. In the end, it's probably best if I stayed where I am, but I feel better if I keep moving, moving like that. Ah, the great time of year. I want to thank the choir for singing, Grant, all your years of faithful service here and leading in worship using your gifts and all the musicians, everyone that uh, takes part here. There's a lot of, a lot of people that work, uh, the, you know, with uh, uh, the, the kids and the people waiting here all the time to take the kids out, make sure they're looked after and have their special time with the Lord. Uh, so many people doing so many great things for the Lord here at this congregation. Uh, last about two weeks ago, I think it was when I was here. Not here that often. I'm around in different churches, uh, but uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. And I I mentioned to someone that I was going to be here in a couple of weeks to speak, and they said, "Oh, I'm going to be away." And I mentioned to someone else, they said the same thing. Oh, I'm going to be away that Sunday. So I mentioned to someone else, "Oh, I'm going to be away that Sunday." So I thought, boy, I don't know if anyone's going to be around this Sunday. So if there's only half as many, I'll preach half a message. But that also is not in my nature, so I probably won't do that either. While it is Christmas time, and as the uh, songs blast out at this time of year, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Anyone take in Black Friday? The shopping, the most wonderful time of the year. I I only heard of one shooting, uh, because someone, I guess, grabbed the thing what he wanted before uh, he got there, so he blasted the guy and took off. A few fights, a few stompings, the most wonderful time of the year. Time to buy Christmas presents and all those things that uh, we need to do. How many of you finished your Christmas shopping? Come on, Don, put up your hand. My wife is here. My wife starts, I think, on Boxing Day, and we have several boxes in our house with each of the grandchild's name. We have six boxes, and over the year, they get slowly filled up, and filled up, and filled up, 
And uh, the kids, our children, we just give them some money. That's easy, taken care of. Some of you do that as well. But the grandchildren, we just, something special. Oh, this reminds me of them. And everything we buy is times six. So if one gets a dress, we need to buy six dresses, all different sizes, all the way up. And we fill the boxes up. And we have a great time, almost Christmas all year long, uh, thinking of giving and, and those kinds of things. Reminded me of a young man who was dating this girl and uh, wanted to do something special at Christmas for her. So we went into this fairly high-end store. And when he was in there, he <clears throat> looked around. And the thing that caught his eye was this, uh, and that fragrance was there, this perfume. So he thought, I'm going to buy her some perfume. That'll be nice. So he went up to the clerk, and he said, can I see some of the perfume we have? And she said, yes, we have this very nice fragrance here. And she showed it to him, and it was $100 for the bottle. And he looked at it, and he said, do you have anything else uh, a little less expensive? And so she showed him a $75 bottle of other perfume and looked at it and winced a bit. And he said, do you have anything that's less than that? And she brought out a $50 bottle of perfume, to which he still shook his head. And he said, uh, what else? And finally, she brought out this tiny little bottle for $35. And he said, we do have this $35 bottle. And he said, you know, I don't know. He says, what, what, what are you looking for? And he said, do you have anything that's really cheap? So she gave him a mirror. My wife thought it was funny. And I... <laughs> so. So I thought I'd repeat that. The, uh, I, have, I have another bit of Christmas humor here, too. This one isn't near as funny as the first one. Uh, but it's three people who get into an elevator, and one is an honest politician, the other one is a generous lawyer, and the third one is Santa Claus. And they get into, you've heard this one, they all get into the elevator, and they look down, and there's a $50 bill on the floor. And so they all are looking at this bill, and when the elevator opens up, who do you think had the $50 bill in their hand? It was Santa Claus, because the other two don't exist. Okay? <laughs> okay now, I have friends that are lawyers, and I have friends that, that are, uh, you know, politicians. So, so that, that's a joke. Catch the humor? I know in this age of being politically correct, someone could quote me, and I could be all over YouTube as saying something very offensive, but it is not meant that way. Uh, so if you're taping this, uh, put, put my disclaimer along with the first part of my so-called humor. Well, the passage I want to talk about today is the one that was read. And uh, uh, to me, it is the verse here of which all of Christmas hangs underneath that. Now, if you were in a parade... One of the things you notice in a parade is people are walking along. There's usually a banner, right? Someone's over here and someone's here and they got this banner that goes across. And so you know what is coming up. You know what it's all about. Or if there's a float, there's usually across the float on the top a big banner that says, what is it that we are about? What's going on? And there's all kinds of activity that goes on, but everything that's happening happens underneath that banner because the banner explains who they are, and what it's all about. And the verse that I would put the banner over Christmas 
so that everything you hear and see over this next month in this special time hangs under this banner, and it would be the verse in, uh, in verse 10 here, where, where the uh, uh, shepherds are spoken to by the angels. Let me just read the passage here again. The shepherds were, were in the fields keeping watch, and an angel comes to them, says, Don't be afraid. And then he says this thing to them. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Okay? This is the one thing, if you can leave with this today, with that banner over everything you see and hear and everything you do at this Christmas time, good news of great joy. Can you picture that? I want you, I don't know if you can close your eyes if you want or visualize openly. Think of what that banner would look like. What is it for you? When you think of the banner that's flying, good news of great joy. Is it lights flashing? Is it lightning? What does it look like? Is it specially drawn with all different kinds of crayons? Good news of great joy. That's the banner of which all, in my understanding and mind, the rest of Christmas, all the stories, all the drama, all the excitement, it all hangs under that banner. So visualize that with me. When you see the kettles with the Salvation Army, good news of great joy. When you hear a story and someone says, the kids are coming home at Christmas time, or or a story like that, good news of great joy. When you, when you think of the Christmas plays that go on, good news of great joy. What does your banner look like? Now, it came to the shepherds. This is the, the people that got this at first, with the shepherds. Now, we know that shepherds, if you like, I like to visualize them as sort of homeless people with a job. Okay? So you've got these homeless people uh, living out, sleeping under the stars, no place, no real home, and they're, but they've got a job. Now, it's not a great job, but it's a job, and, and they're out there. They, they don't really get to church because they can't go because they're out in the fields all the time. And so here the angel comes and, and talks to these homeless, kind of smelly, stinky people, kind of trying, you know, you don't know whether the sheep smell or they smell because neither of them take a bath. So they're, they're all in this kind of smelly state together, and over them comes this banner, great news, good news of great joy that the angels are bringing. Now, even in Christmas plays, when you have shepherds, I don't know, you know, you've got Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, they're dressed up nicely, and there's a lot of to duty duty with Mary and Joseph. And the Magi, who doesn't want to be a Magi and carry one of those fake gold things, you know, that looks so flowery and it looks so nice. And, and everything and the animals, even the animals, oh, look at the animals over there, especially if they're real or nice. But the shepherds, they get a tea towel over their head and, and their father's bathrobe. And they're told, now you're part of the story and I want you to just walk in. I want, don't say anything. Don't say anything. You just walk in, sort of a blank look. Don't, don't, you know, just a blank look, and you walk there, and you stand there, and you stand there through the whole thing. You know, it's exciting being a shepherd, you know, even today. So, so here we have these 
kind of homeless, working class kind of people that don't really go to church uh, and smelly. And to them, the message, the excitement of Christmas comes, of what it's all about. Fascinating, whom God chooses to fly that banner over. I just want to ask a couple questions. One is, what does it mean? What is this good news? And what is joy? What is that all about? So the first one is, what about this good news? What's special about the good news? Why was it so good for them to hear this? Why is Jesus' birth such great news for them? Well, first of all, it is a fulfillment of prophecy. If you think of Christmas, and especially with kids, when you tell your kids, some of you that have younger ones, and you tell them, you know, it's going to be Christmas in 30 days, and there's going to be some presents there, and there are some things that you, you've really wanted. Do you think they're going to be there? I don't know. And so every day, day after day, especially when they're young, when they're old, you've already disillusioned them enough by not giving them everything they want. So it isn't quite the same then. But when they're young, they, they have this faith that something good is going to happen. I'm going to get all these things. I'm going to get everything I want. And it's going to be so exciting. And so the kids are day after day after day after day till finally Christmas Day comes and they get to open that present. And it's awesome. And it's awesome what they have. And that, that's the good news. The, the people had been waiting in, in all, a lot of chaos and, and a lot of pain and sorrow and suffering. And Jesus has promised, or God has promised, at some point, the Messiah will come, he will be good news, and he will bring great joy. And so right from the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, right after they sinned, the first promise was given, and it said, at some point in time, Someone born of woman will come and crush Satan's head. Satan will not have dominion and rule. And that is what we believe is one of the first prophecies talking about the Messiah, Jesus, who is going to come. So if you can imagine right from that first sin when they fell, God said there's going to be a remedy for the sin and the sorrow and the chaos that is coming in our world. That's good news. That's good news. There's a very old book called uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It's not old to me because it was in the 70s. But for some of you, it's a very old book. And, and you're wondering if they even, uh, books, those things that you read, you know, it's, a, it's not one of those things, you know, electronic that you have to look at and that. It's, it's, a, it's a book. Uh, I saw a cartoon where it said Christmas at whoever's place and it showed three of the different older people all reading the newspaper and all the kids had their iPads out and they were and, and they were and Kindles and whatever and they were all reading theirs. It's very, very different how they uh, operate and how we operate. So this book that is pretty old from the 70s, it talks about all the prophecies and goes page after page after page, a prophecy in the Old Testament that talks about the coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, it lists about, uh, there's about 300 prophecies concerning Jesus Christ and his coming, the good news that is coming at Christmas time. And so what he does is he says, if over these hundreds and uh, actually thousands of years, these prophecies have been written, and if only 10 of them came true, 
the probability of that happening, that Jesus would be born where he was, how he was, and all of these things coming together is a probability of 10 to the 17th power. Those of you that were in the 70s heard this illustration already. Those of you who weren't part of that generation are just hearing it for the first time. You know what 10 to the 17th power is? Write 10 and then put 17 zeros. That's the probability. You've got a better chance of winning the lottery than you have of anything like that ever coming true. And it was written over all of these years. It wasn't just, okay, that makes sense. We'll write this down. And so the probability is astronomical. The odds are unbelievable. But they were waiting for this person who would be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So that's why it was good news. Finally, it came to pass. The second reason is good news is because God came down to live with mankind. Now, it's one thing. I like a little, little story of this person. Was, uh, it was thunder and lightning and all this uh, stuff was going on outside. And uh, the mom said, you know, just uh, pray to God and he's with you in this. And, and the little kid said, I know he is, but would you stay with me? Because I want someone with flesh on. You know, and, and this is the good news that God in the Old Testament, often he visited his people and there was evidence of him being among his people. But in the New Testament, at the time of uh, what we call Christmas, the Christ event, when God became flesh, he walked with us and there was an understanding of who he was. And so we could understand, okay, he's not just this sort of guy or this spirit way out there. He's someone who actually cares, and he's willing to leave all of that to come here to help us understand this good news. So that's good news. We can know who God is because he lived among us. And then the third reason is such good news because he is called the Savior. The Savior who is Christ the Lord. We sang about it, Emmanuel, God with us. Our world is pretty dark. It can be full of despair. We can respond by becoming uh, cynical, we can uh, become uh, fatalistic, but there's good news because Christ is coming. took a university course called Comparative Religions, and it became very clear as we looked at all the different religions, one after another, after another, after another, the same theme is in all religions, how people are somehow trying to figure out how they can uh, uh, make God happy how they can do the right thing so God will say, yeah, that's good, you did okay. I think I can elevate you, whether it's to another level of your consciousness or, or, or to a, a something else if you believe in reincarnation. But all religions seem to have one common theme, and that is how do we become good enough on our own in some way so that God will accept us. And into this religious society where people were trying to save themselves, live the perfect life, pay God back in some way, comes some good news. And God says, you can't do it on your own. I will send my son Jesus. Jeshua, Yahweh God saves is what it means. And he comes here to rescue us. I've noticed so many stories. It seems like almost all the stories that I read are stories of rescue. You know, 
All the nursery rhymes, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, and someone rescues her from the tower. Uh, we're always needing rescuing. And, and someone is, of course, um, nah, guy left me, girl left me. I need to be rescued. Someone has to come in and ride in on their shiny horse, white horse, black horse, whatever color. But they need to rescue me. Have you noticed that? It's the theme of almost everything story that you read. Someone needs rescuing. And no matter what you do in these stories, they can try to rescue themselves, but it doesn't work. Someone has to come in. And so the good news that God said, I will send my son Jesus and he will rescue you. He will save you. He will help you. He will be there. That's good news. Because God didn't just send an angel. He didn't say, try to do it on your own. Try to be good enough on your own. He said, I will send my son. And that's wonderful news. But it's good news of great joy. What about joy? Some people say that the uh, that there's a difference between happiness and joy. And I guess sometimes it's maybe just semantics. But <clears throat> I like to see that happiness is something that I wish for all of you. I wish it for myself. I wish it for, for, for people I don't even know. I hope they're going to be happy. But I see happiness as something that comes externally. When you have a great job, are you happy? When things work out for you, are you happy? You go out and buy some clothes. Does it make you happy? Okay, now, when you grow out of those clothes and you don't fit them anymore, do you feel happy? You don't feel happy anymore. And you get a new computer and it's working so nicely, and then I put some wrong code in there or something, and it doesn't work anymore. You're not happy anymore. And so our happiness is always dependent on something external to us that is going to affect us. But joy is deeper than that. Joy is something that is within us. And you can know that my computer crashed and all these things are happening. Why is there... Why do you not feel so disillusioned and ready to pack life in? When you know Jesus, when you have him, when you have that good news and Christ lives in you, then you have a joy that goes beyond that because none of us are going to get, this is, I'm going to tell you a secret, none of us are going to get out of this world alive. Okay? If you didn't know that, you heard it today, none of us are going to get out alive. So whatever happens to us in the short span of time, and it's great if we can be happy and good things are happening to us, but in the end, it's what we have within us, that joy that goes beyond our understanding. Beyond, and that can only come because God in Christ came into this world and said, I offer you a new life. I'll live in you. I'll be part of your life. And I'll bring you joy. Henry Nouwen said this way, Joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing, sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, even death, can take that joy away. And that's why the banner over Christmas is good news of great joy. And as you read through the scripture, read through the whole New Testament, it's the story of disciples, 
of God followers who live out their lives in this unconditional love of Christ, uh, saved and filled with the joy of the Lord in every encounter they run into. The word joy is used in the Bible 242 times. No, I did not count them. I googled them. Okay, So according to Google, 240 times joy is used, and rejoice is used 89 times. Matthew 2.10, it says, The Magi followed the star with great joy. Acts 8.8, it says, Wherever the disciples went, they brought with them this good news. People were healed. People, People found a reason to live. And the verse I quote, it says, And there was great joy in that city. Because the banner... Good news of great joy was flying over that city when they were there. And then even Jesus, when he, when he told his disciples what was going to happen to them, and he said, even one of my good friends is going to betray me. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to die on a cross. It's going to be gruesome. And what did he say after he explained all these things to them about what was going to happen to them? He said this. He said, I will never leave you So don't be afraid. My presence will always be with you. And his exact words in John 15, 11 are, I've spoken these things that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Do you think Jesus was happy on a cross? Dying for us? I don't think that made him very happy. I don't think it made his mother very happy. And yet he said, in spite of of this sacrifice that I will give for you, I still have joy. And I want that joy to be part of your life as well. And the most awesome thing happened to the disciples, spent their lives talking about this joy that they'd found in Christ. And one by one, as they were martyred for their faith, they talk about wanting this joy that they have to be given to others. Uh, perhaps uh, Philippians is one of the great passages of uh, that talks about joy. I just want, I'll just uh, let me read just a few verses there in Philippians chapter one, uh, uh, twelve through twenty-six. You have you have a lot of these joy joyful parts where you see the the banner flying all through Philippians, and it, and it says, I I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. He's talking about this joy again that he has, just being with the people that he loves. And he says, I know, I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So he can be thankful and joyful when he's with the people that he he knows, the people from from his church, the people from his tribe. And then it says something else here. If you take a peek at uh, a little bit further on. In verse 18, he says, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. In verse 25, I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. And in verse 26, so that through my being with you, again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow. Now, I know you're thinking a little bit here. Is he going to mention all 241 verses? I I am not going to do that. I'm not going to list all the verses. But Philippians 4.4, 4, 
probably one of these wonderful passages again about joy. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And then in 419, why? Because God in Christ will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Jesus Christ. What was Paul going through when he wrote this? I mean, Paul was, I could see him saying, count it all joy. Joy, 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 joy. Sitting in Hawaii at the Fairmont, sitting by the pool and saying, life is wonderful. I don't think Paul made it to Hawaii. Um, nothing wrong with going to Hawaii. I think that's a nice place to be. don't know if I'd want to live there. Okay, maybe I would like to live there. When Paul wrote this, he would spent most of his life as a prisoner. He spent a good part of his life in chains. He says, says he was chained 24 hours a day to a guard. Spent two years in prison in Caesarea. And he says, there's two things that I know. I've got good news of great joy. Because God came to visit me came to visit us. And he dwells within me. And no one can take that away. Now, he was either crazy or he had a secret that he'd found to life, to eternal life. And that's the message that the shepherds heard on Christmas. Mother Teresa worked and died in the slums of Calcutta. And when she was asked, if someone is going to work with you, what are the qualifications that they would need? She said, there's two things. One, the desire to work hard and two, a joyful attitude. That's why I love worshiping here with you at uh, Ebenezer Baptist. Uh, while I was here before as, as uh, your pastor, every time I come here and I look at your faces and I see, I know some of you and I know where you've been. I know what you're going through, some of you. And I know there's some very difficult times. And I know there's sometimes sorrow and pain in your heart. But I know that you're here, and I know that those burdens are lifted when you're together and when, when that wonderful good news is understood again in the fresh. Then there's that joy that's in there. Uh, when I'm with someone, and, and, they're, and they're very depressed, and they're down, and you, when we start talking about Jesus, I can see the countenance of that person change. And sometimes we focus on some of those, those hard, difficult things. But when we fly that banner, good news of great joy, it's amazing what happens within us again. And so when people come here in their sadness, they leave with joy. Because this is a place that says, we have one banner, good news of great joy. And the interesting thing, it came to who? It came to these shepherds. Good news to these shepherds. And I'm sure their first reaction when the, when the angels came, when they got over their fear, I mean, that kind of shakes you up. Angel shows up, especially if he's got his buddies with him or her. I don't know if it's a him or a her, but it's, they show up and they got their buddies with them and all of a sudden they burst into song and they say things and you go, you know, be scary. Now, once you get over that, I think what they were feeling very much within them was, why did you come to us? 
Why did you pick me? Of all the people, uneducated, smelly, outcasts. And God said, because it's good news, and there's great joy, and it's for you. It's for you. He said that to the, the magi, the very wealthy. You're not excluded because you're wealthy. You're not excluded because you're uneducated or poor. I want you all to come. And what did they respond with? The shepherd said, wow, good news of great joy. And what is it going to look like? What's it going to look like? It's going to look like a little baby. Those of you that have given birth to a child and the little tiny fingers and the hands and the arms, there's just something awesome about that little baby, isn't there? That's the sign that God was giving to the shepherds. Now, they could have said, ah, anyone can have a little baby. You know, we've seen lambs all the time birth all the time. They said, if it's good news, and there's going to be great joy in it. We're going to go check it out. And they did that. And that's the invitation of Christmas. That's the banner that is up there to see the good news, the great joy. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if you are wealthy or poor, or maybe you're just so middle of the road, you say, my life is so boring because I'm just so plain, I don't even know how to dance. You know, it's for you. There's good news of great joy for you. And the amazing thing, it says, good news of great joy for who? All. All people. Up until now, there was this understanding that God was the God of the Israelites, of the Jews. He was, they were the chosen people, the chosen nation. And God still loves those people, his people. But he's saying, but there's good news not just for them. It's for them and for all people. For you and for me. And now there's a change, there's a shift, a new direction. Good news for the entire human race. For God so loved the world the world that he gave his only son. And we know this. The sign to the shepherds was a baby born in a manger, not a sign of power, not a sign of authority, but a sign of what it means to be a servant. Not what you expect. And the sign that we have at Christmas time is this wonderful banner, good news of great joy. Let me pray with you. Maybe some of you haven't really understood what that good news is. And you're saying, man, there's just something missing in my life because I, I don't have that good news. And I don't have that joy. So I want to pray with you. And then when I'm finished praying, as soon as I'm finished praying, we're going to ask the, um, the people who are going to serve if they will come forward. We're going to share this celebration. It's called the Lord's Supper. Isn't that joyful? Great joy. Celebration of the Lord's Supper. So let's pray, and then we'll have communion time together. Oh, Lord, we are so unworthy to have all this attention showered on us. And you are so awesome and so great. 
you said, I love these people so much. I want to show them who I am. I want to show them how great my love is. I want to show them that there's nothing I will not do for them. And so, Father, I thank you that you bring happiness in our life with many things. And we thank you for all of those. They're great. We enjoy them. But at this Christmas season, Lord Jesus, I pray that we will understand greater and greater what joy means, because that comes when we have that relationship with you. Surrender to you as Lord and Savior and allow you to be Lord of our life and all that we do. So we thank you for saving us, for rescuing us, for fulfilling all prophecies and for giving us joy that cannot be taken away by any experience that we will have in this world. And as we come now before you, we celebrate all that you have done for us in this communion service together. In Jesus' name, amen.